Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And this time when we rolled the die, it rolled horror. And we decided, Jeff Owens and I decided, let's do the current movie, The Monsters, that's out on Netflix. And you can also get it on DVD and Blu-ray. So we're going to be talking about that movie in just a minute. Um, otherwise, I'm going to play the promo, not the promo, but the trailer for The Monsters. So those that don't know what it's about can get a rough idea. Then Jeff and I are going to dive in. We don't have really anything that we spoil. So it's roughly spoiler free. You'll get our opinions of the movie. And then afterwards, I'll talk to you then. sound of that. Think of it. The brain of a super genius transplanted into the body of a perfect physical specimen. <laughs> I want a man that makes my blood run cold. A man that every time he enters my crypt, it's like a stake through my dead black heart. I can whip you up a hubby down in the lab. Oh, no. Remember what happened last time? He was battered. To go. Okay. I'm looking for a vision, a queen, true love. And what exactly do you want? Is Herman Munster in there? Uh -huh. I knew the moment I laid eyes on you that you were special. I understand if you don't feel the same. I'm just a regular gal living a boring, normal life. If there's one thing I know, is that the rest of the world melted away as soon as you appeared in my life. It seems Miss Lily is truly in love. Oh, come on, you know and I know that we gotta get rid of that bozo Herman Munster. Transylvania. That's a strange way of saying hello. Oh, I guess we're gonna have to get used to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Diecast Movie Podcast, where we discuss movies and do interviews. And today we're doing a movie discussion because it is Halloween season. The die got Put right on hard because I got my buddy, my boy, Jeff Owens from the classic, the classic Cars Club podcast joining me. And we want to talk about a movie we both just saw recently, twice each, The Monsters. How are you doing today, Jeff? I am doing fantastic, Steve. How are you? I am doing wonderful, sir. I'm doing wonderful. And, um, just prior to me recording with you, I just got done talking to one of the stars in the movie, The Monsters. That's right. Daniel Roebuck, the Count. And by the Count, nice. he interprets that as being 
Dracula. So he got he's one of the latest ones, the latest people in the long line of actors to play Dracula. Well, I appreciate you asking me to talk about this. I guess you must be desperate for content because you are barely posting anything these days. And uh, so I hope you can get this out and give your listeners something to listen to. Yeah, it is tough. You know, it is so hard. I mean, we're obviously being facetious listeners. As you all know, I mean, I've been backlogged with so many different things. I've been putting out two episodes a week, but yet I stupidly keep putting more content into the kitty. So, you know, one one day I'll just take a rest for like a month and not have and not record anything new and just let everything catch up. But it's hard when you have such good things happening. I mean, being able to interview Mr. Roebuck, getting able to talk about a movie that I really enjoyed and it, the monsters that suffered a lot of vitriol prior to even the first trailer and then the trailer and then a lot of hate. And I can understand people that don't like a movie when they've seen it, but to pre hate a movie, which is not just this movie. There's a lot of movies that have come out or, or coming out that people pre hate, you know, and judge it. And I think it's cause they want to get their clicks and hits and all the other little things uh, we try to actually watch the movie before we discuss the movie and in general the movies we talk about in this show one or both of us both like and this caught me really by surprise because it seemed like a really big target for some reason and in my mind this wasn't worthy of being such a target I mean, why the monsters? And I don't know if it's, you know, people have a thing with Rob Zombie, but, you know, you, you look back at the history, there have always been reboots, different actors with monsters. I mean, not always, but several, more than I even remembered. And, you know, granted, there wasn't internet back then or social media, but, you know, why, why this? You know, I, I'd rather go back and... Uh, you know, criticize the monsters today or something than, uh, you know, a brand new effort uh, at making the monsters. I, I enjoyed it twice and I enjoyed it the second time better. And I believe this movie was made for a lot of people, but particularly for guys like us that love the classic monster movies. Cause when you watch it that second time, um, you're able to pick up all the little things in the background from old movies and, and realize like, Oh dude, there's the mummy. There's, you know, there's this, there's that. I'm all these little nukes and crannies that you can feast on for repeat viewing because Rob zombie is a monster kid. And I wondered, you say it was made for us monster kids. And I wondered about that. And the first time I'll be honest, I really didn't know what I was experiencing or what to expect. And then what I was experiencing and, a lot of the humor fell flat. This time when I watched, I paid particular attention to the, the jokes, and there are a ton of them. And I asked the question because I've heard this is made for children. I don't think it's made for children. I don't think it's necessarily made for adults, maybe that in-between area, because I categorize the jokes in two groups. One, I would call dad jokes. I mean, they're humorous. I appreciate them maybe more than I laugh at them. But, you know, dad jokes, we all know that. And then the other was things that, like, truly made me smile or laugh. And that group probably quadrupled the number of what I would call dad jokes. So I don't, I don't think 
it's silly enough to be made for kids. I mean, there's really not a lot of slapstick uh, or, you know, the, the humor isn't dumbed down for children. But I think the bright colors and and some of the jokes, I think, would appeal to not the youngest, but I don't know, a little bit older preteens, maybe. What, what do you think about that? I definitely think it's made for families. And that, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. particularly families that have a monster kid parent and it's a way to have their kids come and watch something and enjoy it. So I think it's like a bridge between the two. And that's why it's not, and I hate, and I hate children's movies that are dumbed down. I, I think the best children's movies are the ones that are, that challenge the children. So they can be watched by everybody. And I think those are the ones that have the longest staying power because you and I've both gone back, I'm sure, and I'm sure many listeners have, to revisit a childhood movie that we all enjoyed. And the ones that have that staying power, you can still enjoy and, or appreciate in a different way. Where the ones that were made literally for, you had to be five, well, you're no longer five. And that, and, that, and those are the ones that you're like, oh, well, I don't, re- I don't enjoy it as much as I did when I first saw it. So I agree with you that this is made for, it's a, it's a, it's not a children's movie as some people write it off where it's designed for the real young and they go for the, the low bar. I think it's designed for that audience of everybody watching it together as a family. And I tell you, there were some parts that were, to me, were groaners, like, oh, my gosh. And I did think it, it didn't feel long, but you look, it's almost two hours. It does seem a little long for a comedy. And really the only thing I thought that they could cut out would be the scene where grandpa is in the basement making a uh, formula and before they move to Hollywood and it fails. And I thought, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. They could cut that, but that is straight out of the old Munsters TV show. I, I don't know how often it's been a long time, but I have seen some episodes recently and that's an ongoing stick. You know, he, always fails at whatever potions he's making. So that did have a point being in the movie. Uh, another groaner was there are certain times when the they speed up the camera to make it look like people are moving really quickly or straight out of the TV show. Uh, they did that. I, the one I watched last night, you know, someone, they open the door at 1313 Mockingbird Lane, they see Herman, they go running and hopping over the fence to the car, sped up in fast motion. So, I'm just curious if anyone does see this and doesn't like it, and they, those are groaners to them as well. Hey, that's coming straight from the source material. And that, I didn't realize that the first time. But the second time, that makes me think this really is, like you said, Rob Zombie, a monster kid. This is a tribute. This is a loving, caring tribute to the monsters. And, and the way I look at it, I think it is as movie as being three episodes put together. And you get, you know, so, so like instead of three different acts, it's like, it's like they're starting a series and this is the pilot episode where they're establishing everything. And I'd really hope there is a sequel. You know, I'm, I'm really, I, I told this to, to Daniel Roebuck. I was like, I mean, be, you know, what he does it being a sequel and that kind of stuff, you know, cause it's, you never know. Cause it just came out. He wants there to be another one. Of course he loved playing the count. I mean, he channeled Al Lewis and he knew Al Lewis. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if there's a possibility because we don't have Eddie, we don't have Marilyn. This is really, it's, and I wanted to ask what you thought about being an, an origin story, basically. I mean, it's how Herman met Lily. 
And I, I noticed some griping about that as well, but I liked that I, because that does bring something new to it. It's not just a rehash. And I don't believe we ever really knew how they met. And, and I enjoyed that very much. Actually, in a sense, we get Herman's whole story up to then. He's his birth all the way up to his uh, marriage. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you talk about robbing the cradle, Lily Monster. You know? <laughs> He's only, he's only, I don't know how much time passed in the thing. You know, it's hard to tell if movie time and, and the time, like it's going by. It's either been a few days or a few weeks then they're, or a month maybe, and they're married. I mean, and he's only a month old. <laughs> right. And you speak about the time, time in, from another perspective, what this takes place in sort of a time that doesn't really exist. I mean, they're in Transylvania and everything they're watching is black and white and you know, I, I thought, well, that could be modern time. I mean, Transylvania, maybe they don't have the most up-to-date television programming, you know. And then they come to the States, and there's the Halloween party, and I didn't really notice any time. But that next morning, the cars are classic 50s, 60s cars. People are dressed as they're in the 50s, 60s. And it just, I don't know, it kind of made me wonder. And rather than, you know, trying to commit to what, time this takes place i just like to think it's in its own little time and place it's a little capsule that kind of somehow incorporates all those different kinds of times well look back at the universal monster movies and how some of them are put in the thing where you can't really figure out what place they're what time frame they're supposed to be at is it supposed to be um you know this time that time it's, it's kind of the same thing where it's like where, where within this 50 100 year period does this movie actually work and i think he brought that forward into this and i know there i feel like i agree with you that there are some parts where it could have been maybe a little bit shorter but i look at it also you have a filmmaker who loves this topic and this might be his one shot to do the movie and i think so i've so I, I i forgive a little bit of some of the indulgences that he might have put in to add to because he probably is like this is my one shot to do it. I'm doing it because there is no guarantee of a sequel and, and that kind of stuff. And that, so I, I figured that extra that 10, 15 minutes is indulgence is here and there. Maybe, you know, and I don't know whole scenes could be gone, but some scenes could maybe trimmed here and there a little bit. And if you did that here and there, you might save some time, but I enjoyed it so much and I was able to get through. But one thing I got to bring up with you, scenery the the wardrobe the color especially in transylvania was just i just enjoyed being there yeah it's again i would say during the first watch it was a little off-putting because it's very uh sort of harsh i mean there's this green and purple sort of color palette which is pretty and unique and nice but you know sometimes it like shines on the characters in a, a way that doesn't quite seem natural but you get used to it. And then the second time it just, you know, it felt like a glove. It would just belong there. It was part of the whole image or concept of the movie, really. And in the time, what you're just saying that when you first watched it, it didn't seem natural, but then again, everything we're watching at this point is unnatural. So it really, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You get so used to it that you don't realize how much you get used to it until they come to, um, the United States to California. And then you realize how much it's like, Whoa, it is so different and how, how they look compared to everything else. Cause you, you just adapted 
in that first like 90 minutes. That's another thing, first time viewing. And I think I told you when I watched it the first time that it didn't really kick in for me until they got to California. And that's really the whole concept of the monsters as we're used to it is fish out of water. And I watched some of those episodes and they're really, they're told through the eyes of Marilyn, who's the normal human and her bringing people in and their reactions. And that's only, I think, 35 minutes of the movie. The rest of it is Transylvania and then getting to California. The second time though, I saw more into that Transylvania, more of the tributes, more of the Universal Monster references. And I did enjoy that much more. I, I still think that second part is is more enjoyable to me, but I enjoy the first part more the second time. Oh, I agree with you. And uh, and that part, uh, what I also loved in the first part, or the first most of the movie, Sylvester McCoy being in there. I was just like, yes, it's Sylvester. <laughs> I didn't know who that was at first. I... I I didn't really look up the cast or information, you know, before I watched it. And from certain angles, he looks like one of the guys from Kids in the Hall. And uh, I can't remember which one. But uh, then, and I'm not, you know, a Doctor Who fan, but I know Sylvester McCoy was one of the doctors, right? So I know that's probably got extra uh, appreciation for some people. All that aside, I thought he was funny. He was very good. Well, you know, there's another tie-in. I brought this up with Daniel Roebuck, and I got to look it up to find out exactly what role he played. But when I interviewed Sylvester, uh, one of the things I researched and watched back then, he was in Dracula movie with Frank Langella. And um, mm-hmm. so he was so he was actually in a Dracula movie prior to that, too. So, I, so it makes me wonder, was he cast just because he's Sylvester McCoy and he brings those qualities that you want for this character? just natural. That's just his great comedic timing, great acting ability. Was it cast because he was a doctor from Dr. Who or was he cast because he was in Dracula with Franklin Jell or was it all three? Who knows? Only one person knows Rob Zombie. <laughs> right. And if I ever, interview Mr. Zombie, about- I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the characters a little bit. You mentioned how Daniel Roebuck channels grandpa and I agree Lily is uh, very, very similar, but yet very different. I mean, you definitely know it's Lily, but one thing I noticed watching some older episodes is, well, and this makes sense in the TV show, Lily's a little bit older and, you know, they have kids. So it is years later, but she's also a little bit mean to Herman. I mean, not outrageously mean, but she's always goading him or scolding him, you know, for something. And you don't, really see that in this uh and she has a different cadence to her voice again it's similar but it, you know she's not doing an imitation so i thought she did very well and sherry moon zombie i don't know we talked the other day i haven't really seen a lot of rob zombies movies i don't know about her as an actress but she's perfectly fine as lily the revelation to me though was herman and i know i know a person that out of the trailer got well, that isn't Herman. That there's just nothing about him. But I, he is very different. But I think he gets at the essence of Herman Munster. There are times like that deep that pause before he does a deep laugh as he's so amused by himself. That is Fred Gwynn. I mean, that again, not exactly the way, but it's just the very essence. And I thought he was fantastic. Uh, so he actually probably the most different 
from the original character, yet my favorite. I'm not going to say which one's favorite or not favorite. I just enjoyed all three of them. But I go into what you're saying with Jeff Daniel Phillips when he was doing Herman. When he first started to speak, when the first time he's ever going to speak, I love how he pulled out the little thing to moisten his mouth. Because that is so from the monsters. Because he used to do, and then you know it was just like, oh yes, and I was just like, it, it, and that point on, I knew I was in good hands, you know, piano hands. And <laughs> yeah, I love that whole setup. That's very you know Frankenstein, wrong brain, and the uh, the two people. A little different twist. You know, one was a brilliant person, the other was a vaudeville comedian, and you know, um, loop gets the wrong brain and the first time he opens his mouth and it's so funny that the doctor Frankenstein character, you know, that created him is expecting words of wisdom or to come out of his mouth and he, he cracks a, a stage joke. I, I love that whole setup and the whole delivery of that. I just, that was fantastic. And from that moment on, I thought Herman was great. Yeah. Richard Brack is Dr. Wolfgang. I thought did a very good job. And also he played Orlock. You know, the Nosferatu type character. And I thought he did very good, very well playing both those types of roles. Yeah, I've got a question for you on that. I, if you look at the credits, several people played two or three roles. And I doubt if it would be credited, but in Paris when they're on the honeymoon and there's the whole mime and the outdoor cafe and everything, I could swear that Daniel Roebuck was sitting there as as himself, just as one of the patrons at this outside cafe. Did you notice that at all or? There's so many things to notice. I'm not sure. You know, they, but it's one of the things that makes great for repeat, repeat viewing is like you start to pick up these little Easter eggs that, that are there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I wish I wish I would have had the presence of mind to know that I could ask Dan himself when I was talking to him. <laughs> Alas, um, it's not meant to be. And speaking of Count Orlock, the that part of it, and that's pretty early on, really reminded me of what they're doing with what we do in the shadows. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie where they kind of spoof the stereotypes of vampires. And so I got a little bit of vibe of that in this. It, it isn't really consistent. It doesn't go through the movie, but I, I got it there. And, and I took that as a positive point. I like how he do, they do their take of the cat lady with him being the rat guy. And then the the attention to detail later at the end of the movie, they're holding up a newspaper, you know, reading and the headline says, you know, Count Orlock eaten by horde of rats or something like that, which is just sort of a sort of a throwaway. I mean, they don't really make a big point of it. It's just a nice little extra. If you're paying attention, you got it. And it was very funny. Exactly. And I think, that's one of the fun things I enjoy about, like I said, it's just, it's just a fun little thing to watch. And you have Catherine shell in a small, but pivotal role, you know, as, as Zoya Krupp, a group, you know, and, and, and trying to steal the castle back from the count because they were jilted lover. She's a jilted lover way back in the day. And I was just like, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I know her. You know, and it, and it took me a while, but I finally, I finally puzzled it out as I was watching the movie the first time. I was like, that's Catherine Shell. I mean, holy mackerel, they're pulling people from everywhere. And other, you know, throwbacks to, to horror movies, the, uh, sorry, 
about what I was going to say. I know, I know there's, there's parts where they'll show video clips of Creature from the Black Lagoon. You'll have um, Abbott and Costello meet, I think, um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You know, yep. those kind of things. Creature from the Black Lagoon, Uncle Gilbert makes an appearance. Oh, I know what I was going to ask. Is uh, it was Lester, the Lily's brother, a new character, or did he ever appear in the show? I am trying to remember now, and and I got. It's been a while since I watched the whole series. I'm going to have to watch it to see. I'm not positive, and I'm sure now we'll have somebody that'll mess tag this on the Facebook thing and be like, "Guys, of course it's this. That's fine. We're human. We can't know everything all the time, and we're not going to look it up right this moment." But speaking of. Lester, Thomas Boykin was fun. He was fun playing that role. He had a good time. You can just tell. He, he, you know, the, the the brother, and then brother-in-law who's, you know, scheming all the time. I mean, it's just it was just it was just a a cool role. Yes, and that I feel like he may have been there. A reference might have been made to him in the series that we never saw. And so if you are really familiar with this series, this would be just another one of those bonuses. I also like how we see how they adopted Spot. And uh, that, again, a little thing, you got to be paying attention because they don't really highlight it. But once they get him, he kind of shows up uh, in different places. And my favorite was when, I guess Lily was in bed and you could see Spot's tail sticking out from under the covers. That was a nice little touch. Well, it was. And when I saw that they were going for it or some kind of um, sewer monster or whatever it was when they were in Paris, I'm like, it's going to be Spot. It's got to be Spot. I was like, you know, and I was like, yes, it's Spot. <laughs> you know, and I was, I was hoping for that. And, you know, it, I was happy. I was happy with that part. And I like when he had him in the bathtub and you can see he can't breathe fire yet, but he has the little smoke coming out of his nostrils. Right. Yeah. He looks so cute. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was a little worried because when they first carry him out of the sewer, it looked a little lifeless, but it, they sure, you know, no big deal that they made up for that with his subsequent scenes. Another thing I watched to just sort of get a feel for the original was Munster Go Home. I watched that last night. And there are things in this that come, well, I shouldn't say, well, one thing for sure comes from that. And this was one of my groaners was when Herman said, uh, Car 54, where are you? I don't know that he ever did it in the series, but that's straight out of Munster Go Home. He does that. Uh, And so, again, knowing that, I appreciate that. And it's not really a groaner. Yeah, I mean, even if you didn't know that, I mean, just it's just to me, it's like a it's a thing, a throwback to a show that he that Fred Grin was in before, and but now knowing that it actually was said by the original crew, and I know people have said that they're disappointed in this because it's not like that. You can't get the original cast back. That's it. It that that time is gone. There have been a lot of renditions with different casts that have come out since then, and I've seen some of those. Let's put it this way. This is the next best thing to the original that I've seen. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean, and again, like people complaining that it's not, if that's their complaint, that, well, this is not my Munsters. It's more so than you think. So just give it a chance. Stop complaining about the trailer. Watch the movie. I think you'd be surprised. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, was the, his, potential employer in this is the 
funeral home and I can't remember grave, you know, the three G's that are the name of that. I didn't realize that's also in Munster's Go Home that, and that's how the movie opens is they're bringing him back from dropping him off at home after work and he's in a hearse and it's got those three names on the side of it. So I assume in the TV series, he worked for them as well. I think so. I mean, I think he, not sure if he worked just for them or if he had other jobs. They didn't really, it's been a while since I watched the full TV series. I didn't watch it prior to the movie. Cause I just, I didn't want to judge the movie having just watched the series. I thought that sure. would be an injustice to the movie and um, that kind of thing. But I am going to rewatch. I have the series at home. So it's, it's been, Oh, at least a decade. I think since I watched it last, I, I watched it with my kids growing up. So it might've been more than that. Uh, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pull it out, put the put the couple seasons in, and go through it. But the the thing that I know some of my friends who said they didn't want to see it because it was in color, because it's not black and white, it's in color. And I'm thinking the movies that they did with the original cast were in color. And I'm like, okay, Monster Go Home is in color. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, Monster Go Home's in color. That's the original monster. So I guess you don't. I guess then you must never want to watch that because it was not in. You know, well, all you got to do is if you if you're that upset about it, you know, just switch your screen setting so it looks black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and did did we talk about this that Rob Zombie wanted to do it in black and white, and the studio wouldn't let him, or am I thinking of another movie? You and I talked about that prior to this, but yeah, but let's bring it up. That I've read articles where he wanted to do it in black and white, and he was told by the peep the, the powers that be that he must do it in color. So he had no choice. So it's not Rob Zombie's fault. And and that's the thing a lot of people do is they'll blame one person, but you don't know exactly who made what decision and that kind of thing. So I do know that he's an actor's director. So I haven't talked to Daniel Roebuck. And so a lot of the, so a lot of the actors are able to do, bring their interpretation to the characters and that kind of thing. And, and they have some flexibility there. So a lot of the things that the actors are bringing is what they want to bring. And he, for the sounds like for the most part, was not forcing them to do a certain thing. Maybe he did for a certain sequence or two. He might've said, I need you to do this or that, or for this take, let's try it this way. And then we'll go your way. I don't know. I'm speculating on that part, but an actor's director usually is very flexible in the creative process. And he gets some black and white scenes in. I mean, there's the ending, of course, which is a sort of update of the opening of the second season of the Munsters, but part of the honeymoon, part of the car ride once they get to Los Angeles to their neighborhood is done in black and white. So you get that little taste of what that would be like. I will say, though, watching last night a couple of original Munsters episodes, then Munster Go Home, the color in this version I think does more positive things for the character than the color in Munster Go Home. To me, the difference between those two was more jarring. And so I, I have no problem at all with it. And besides, if it wasn't in color, you wouldn't have all those beautiful colors. Exactly. And also um, when they did Good Morning Transylvania, that was in black and white. And, uh, you know, and, and, that, and of course you had um, D. Wallace doing the announcer voice. And because I'm hearing her, I was like, that's Dee Wallace. You know, that, it's like another thing to pick. Cassandra Peterson, of course, has a role as the mm-hmm. real estate agent. And it's just it's just great when you see so many people from either classic movies or the classic show or whatever 
Elvira, of course, making an appearance, not as Elvira, but Cassandra Peterson, you know, it's, and having the witch hat and the witch makeup on and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It was really good and it was really enjoyable. Right. Going back to the colors and the black and white and the looks of it, they, he also used a, a method and watching it the second time, I think he pretty much used it to emphasize the important uh, sort of changes or developments in the plot when something big emotional happened that affected a character. And that is behind them would appear a, a pattern, whether it's, hearts floating around them, but it was very abstract. I and mean, it was nothing but the character and behind them, this pattern of geometric shapes. I mean, they did it for the doctor when he created the, uh, created Herman and, um, when Lily first saw Herman and then, uh, when grandpa sees the ring on Lily's finger, knowing that they have become engaged, those were big emotional moments for those characters. And we got that visual uh, emphasis, I guess. I don't know what else you'd call it. Like. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought it worked. It worked for me. I can see where some people might not like that choice, which is fine. I mean, it, it, it didn't bother me, you know, the over-exaggeration with the background dropped in. Uh, it got it across, but I mean, uh, maybe you and I are, are, are too easy on the movie. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and you were not doing- no, I'll tell you because I, I'll be honest, the first time I watched it, it was almost out of spite for all of the negative um, word of mouth. I was like, I am going to watch this thing and I am going to like it even if I don't. Funny thing, I liked it. And then when I watched it the second time, I really liked it. So I don't know. I just, and you know, and since it's come out and we've talked a lot about the pre word of mouth. I believe since it's come out, I have seen more positive things about it than I have negative. I know when I was at Monster Mania meeting uh, Mr. Roebuck last week, the week prior that we were recording this, uh, a lot of people there were only saying good things about the monsters. Because now three of the actors were there, and yes, they 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 could be saying it to be nice, just to you know to be you know to, just to say that. But then again, all three of these actors have done so many other things; they didn't have to bring up that movie at all. You know, they could have brought up all the other work that they've done, you know, and, and things like that. Um, I think, and people hear this in the interview, it'll come out right after this episode with Daniel Roebuck. He put it in a very good way. There's a lot of people that are dinging it now, that kind of stuff. And I think, I personally said in the interview, I think it's because they want to get the clicks because a lot of people just like that because they get their, their finances or whatever, ad revenue increases. I don't know all that stuff, how it, go, how it all works. But in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people are going to look at it as, oh, that I really enjoyed that movie. And there, you know, all that stuff that happened at the time, people were just going to forget about. And you and I have seen many movies that the time they've come out, they were considered terrible or bad. But then 20 years later, 30 years later, people start to really enjoy them. Um, Dracula AD 1972 is I think a good example of a movie that at the time people did not really care about, but now really are looking at it in a different light and enjoying it. So I'm thinking let's let this tide pass. And I bet you next year people watch it again and again and so on. I think it might be for some people, if some go watch in October with their family. 
Yeah, that was something I was aware of when I was watching. I'm like, is this a rewatch? Like, would I watch it annually around Halloween? First time, probably not. Second time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to watch this again next year. I think it's especially good if you can watch it with somebody who hasn't seen it before. So that you can be there and you can, and you can point out, some, especially if they're not a Monster Kid fan, and you can point out some of the behind-the-scenes things. Like, did you see that? Did you see that? And you can pause it and, and, you know, and so look at that little thing here, you know. Of course, they might think you're crazy, you know, depending on how much they, they love their mind. You know, oh, my Lord, they're, they're, they're going nerdy on me. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. So I, I think it's enjoyable. I think you and I both can definitely say we recommend that people give it a try and make their own judgment. It's If you have Netflix, you're already paying for it, so it's right there. Right, no harm in watching it at all. The last thing I really have to say about it, and it's not heavy-handed, but it does sort of even have a message, you know, and this really is sort of my favorite part, and it's at the very end when Herman's getting ready to go to work, and they've only seen people in their Halloween costumes, so they think they are right at home. Open the door, they see everyone out in the bright sunshine and riding their bikes, mowing their lawns, and they just look like normal humans. (laughs) Herman runs back in, and he thinks that, People have been taken over by aliens because they are so different than, than they were the night before. And so the lesson then kind of comes right there at the end. I believe Lily says, everyone can't be as fortunate as us. It's what's inside that counts. So you even got a message there if you are willing to accept it. Which was a lot in a lot of the episodes of the monsters that there was a message episode every so often where they talked about that. Um, and, and now, by the way, with Lester being a wolfman, one thing I wanted to say, that explains when they have their son, why he's a wolf boy, you know, because it's in the family blood. Ah, okay. Yeah, I like that. So I guess the boys come out as, as werewolves, and the, and the women, if there was a girl, would come out as a vampire. I have no, I'm just looking at what we've seen, you know, because the Count has a, a son in yeah, the you got to be careful how you word that because I, I immediately went to somewhere very bad about maybe a little incest with Lily and Lester having a wolf baby, but sorry. Um, and, you know, they could build the next movie around Marilyn. Like, how did Marilyn come in? She's, I, you know, I forgot. I guess she's their niece. Yes, Is that right? The niece. And, but she refers to them on the TV show as her folks, which I guess that can be the same thing. But, how does she come into their lives? You know, that could be a good way to um, kick off the next movie. And imagine Lily maybe pregnant, getting ready to have Eddie. Lots of humor in that. I so think, I really. I think I, to tag off you're saying, Lily's pregnant. is about to have the baby. They're going to want somebody that's going to be a nanny to help her with the baby. And then you bring in Marilyn, you know, and uh, so she comes over or from whatever. And that's how you get all, all of them together. Oh, and he could move ahead in the horror eras for his tribute. They, there's so much they could play on with the Rosemary's Baby or It's Alive. Oh, that would be great. It would be. And I think, there you go. If Rob Zombie, if you're listening to this, we don't charge anything for these ideas. <laughs> I hope you can make a sequel. Jeff, you do the Classic Cars Club podcast. It's a, You and Rich have been doing a wonderful job on it. This episode's going to be going out in the middle of October. Both you guys are doing your alternating each day movie review of a horror movie where you're going by um, the, the name game type thing. But what episodes do you have coming out 
in October. Because I think by the time this episode comes out, your October episode will be out, if I'm correct. Yeah, so this is October 7th, and I'm finishing editing our next episode, which is two versions of The Raven, the 1930s version with Karloff and Lugosi, and then the 60s Roger Corman version, which also has Karloff, but in surprise, and Peter Lorre. So talking about those, we've got the next few months planned. We've got an episode coming up that's, you know, nature run amok. We've wanted to do that for a long, long time. So it's uh, more ideas than we'll ever be able to actually have time to do, but yeah, that's what's coming up. And I, I do want to add, you mentioned the, the countdown to Halloween. On Halloween Day, we're going to post a special video. We have a YouTube channel as well, and we post a video companion every month to the podcast. But we're going to put a, together a special video on Halloween. That's all I'll say about that. No spoilers, but just a short little video that's going to be fun to watch on Halloween. So check that out. And again, thanks, Jeff, for joining me and the listeners, like we said. Watch the monsters on Netflix. Enjoy. Yes. Thanks again for having me. I enjoyed talking so positively about a movie. Hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about the monsters. Just want everybody to remember that the next episode will be my interview with Daniel Roebuck, which we talk a little bit about during the discussion of the movie. I hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys, if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. Uh, Jeff and I both enjoyed it. We both liked it. And another thing that I like is the Classic Horrors Club podcast, which Jeff and I talked a little bit about at the end. I'm going to play their promo to end the episode in just a second. Just to remind everybody, please send us feedback at diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com or leave us a message on our Facebook site. Feel free to click the link that like or follow so that way you can um, you know when next episodes are coming out. Hope everybody has a great day. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jeff Owens. And I'm Richard Chamberlain. And we want you to join our club, the Classic Horrors Club. Every month, Richard and I host the Classic Horrors Club podcast, where we talk about our favorite subject, horror movies. Some of them are classics. We all go a little mad sometimes. And some definitely aren't. What you see is real. What's done is done, and what I've done is right. It's the work of science. But we love them all the same. We also have special theme months where we highlight the legendary stars. And we head to the drive-ins of the past every summer for exciting double and triple features. Hi, I'm Chili Dilly, the personality pickle. And we even have occasional guests. My obsession, and it is truly an obsession, I suppose, of Frankenstein the True Story dates back to when it first aired in two parts on NBC in 1973. So join the fun and listen to the Classic Horrors Club podcast today. Hosted by SoundCloud, we're available wherever fine podcasts are found. And for even more fun, check out the video companion on our YouTube channel. And remember, we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment.